welcome to True Crime IRL, true crime in real life. I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink. Hey everyone, it's Kelly, and today I'm bringing you a true crime palate cleanser. Like a refreshing bowl of sorbet, this episode is strictly to cleanse your palate of all the dark subject matter I've been talking about lately on the podcast. I recently got a chance to connect with Chloe Cantor from True Crime Twins. I've been a fan of her work for a long time. I finally met her at CrimeCon 2022 in Las Vegas, and she and I really bonded over a show that has absolutely nothing to do with true crime. In fact, it's the farthest thing that there could be from true crime. And that show is Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. It's a wonderful, beautiful, heartfelt show all about love, because you know what? We can't talk about murder all the time. And sometimes it's a little bit of a downer. So Chloe and I decided to talk about one of our favorite shows and connect in a completely different way than we are used to. So I hope you guys enjoy this bonus episode with Chloe Cantor from the True Crime Twins podcast. Let me know what you think. Here we go. Hi. Hey, girl. How How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So excited we're doing this. Yeah, I am too. I love your microphone. What is that? This is a cheap old blue snowball. I have a more sophisticated setup um, where we videotape, but when I'm just, uh, you know, doing a Zoom recording thing, I kind of just like to sit on the couch with my cat and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have my computer good. open and do it old school. Yeah, totally agree. I'm well. I don't. This is a pre-Sonus audio box, but yeah, I'm sitting cross-legged, crisscross applesauce. Same, <laughs> <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> Two redheads together. We love it. Yeah, we love it. Good. I'm so excited. It was Me so too. awesome to meet you in person. Um, yeah, on. Um, it's it's just like getting the opportunity to meet people that literally have like the same aspirations as you yeah. that you would, never would have met otherwise because like you're in Iowa right yeah I'm in Iowa nobody <laughs> lives in Iowa <laughs> just you like me. it there I I like it I mean I have kids you know it's a good place to raise a family all that cliche stuff um but yeah I like it I like to travel though so I'm I'm always on the go but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see that you do live shows. Are they usually like outside of the state or? Yeah. I, I've yeah. never done it. Well, I do like little live shows in Iowa, but everything else is like, I travel wherever like the bigger people go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm small. I'm just like, they're just letting me tag along. So I just go where they go. <laughs> well, it's still an amazing opportunity and you definitely yeah. bring a lot to the table when you're Aww. doing that. So, um, <laughs> Thank you. So what fun. about you? You do you do, where do you, you live? Where do you live? First, I live in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, so I'm very close to Tim uh, geographically, yeah. which yeah. has been, which is really great and, and worked yeah. out as far as me getting to know them. Um, yeah. Lance lives in Boston. Tim like lives between us in the state. So I live more on the Western side. Gotcha. Um, Josh Hallmark actually lives, I think even further West out. Okay. Like, in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Yes, yes, so that's I'm right. In, yep. So I'm in like the western part of the state. Um, yeah. 
which is which is good because even though it's not Boston, I'm still pretty close to like Boston and New York if I needed to do. Something oh, my gosh. Yeah. Also. You're in like a great location. Me living yeah. right in the middle of the state. I have to fly everywhere we go. Every convention, oh. you know, everything <laughs> pretty much. If it's under like five hours, I'll drive. Otherwise, I fly. So. Was that your first time in Vegas? No, God, no. I'm old. I've been to Vegas a lot. <laughs> I, I used to go like I've probably been 20 times probably. So oh my like God. I've stayed, I feel like I've stayed everywhere, but then I got back to having kids again and I was like a full-time mom and everything. Yeah. So like I spent some years where I didn't go to Vegas. So it was my first time. Well, no, I was there just a year ago too, but it was my, before that it had been a while. <laughs> was it your first time? It was. Oh, did you have fun? I had so much fun. <laughs> my my parents, I mean, I, I think they've both been a few times and like growing up, they were always saying, oh, it's like, it's, it's not, they don't really like Vegas. Not their scene. Yeah. No, it's a little yeah. crazy there. It, yeah. It's yeah. Not, it's not like historical. It's very. No, it's all plastic. It's, it's all, all plastic like, and fake and fake glitz and glamour. Thrills. Yes. I, <laughs> I know. I was going to say, but, but there's something cool about that. Like you have to. Yes. Yes. It is it's everything. Really something else. It is. It's like everything's super posh and. Yeah. um. So restaurants, yes, the good restaurants. I live in Iowa, so we don't have like a ton of celebrity restaurants. Yes, we don't have a lot of that here. So, like, if I want to go somewhere for a weekend of pampering, I'll just go sit by the pool in Vegas and order lots of drinks, stuff like that. You know, yeah, eat really good food, and yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, Yeah, that's what I like about it. We went to Bobby Flay and yeah. Wolfgang Puck's restaurants. Nice. And it was, it was we good. literally felt like a million bucks. It was, it, I know it, it is so fun. Everyone has to go to Vegas at least once to see if it's their thing. Cause you never know. <laughs> That's true. And yeah. I learned that it was my thing. Loved yeah. it. And, oh, good um, for you. So you're going to yes. go back. I, I hope so. We, we really had the best time and it was my first trip um, away from my daughter Oh my um, gosh, that's hard. But it was really hard. I was really scared of how yeah. it was going to go. And yeah. Melina, um, yeah, because your sister, sister came she, with you from yes, but she you guys was afraid do that I was going to be like a major months. downer. She was like, oh. "Are you going to be?" Able- <laughs> She's oh. like, "Are you going to be able to relax? Like, are you going to be able to like have fun, or are you just going to be yeah. worrying about your daughter the whole time?" Yeah, which is you know not an unreasonable question. Yeah, but, like, yeah. You, I, but you I, were able to relax. Oh my God, for sure. Like I missed her and like I required updates constantly from, yeah. from her grandparents. But yes. like Melina picked me up at, like I think maybe four or five in the morning to go to the airport. Oh yeah. And That's a long got, flight. It is. And as soon as, as soon as I got in the car, I was like, Vegas! <laughs> Mom's weekend God. away. Yes. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was so psyched. I didn't let it stop me at all. Um, well, that's great. So, yeah. but Melina and you do true crime twins. Why? That's hard for me to say for some reason. True crime. Oh, is twins. it? <laughs> you guys do that podcast together. Now, Melina's, I feel like she's a little more, she's a little quieter. She Maybe she's a little more shy than you. Is that? that yeah. That's correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. Very good. Yes. Ever since we were kids, like, if we had to talk to adults, she would literally go behind me. <laughs> oh. And I was the one that talked to the adults. So yeah, she's very shy. I'm 
I'm not. She's gotten more outgoing with time. And but, the podcast and stuff probably. Maybe oh, for helped. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, people can grow out of it, but I think our default roles are me kind of being the extroverted and her being yeah. the more introverted, but it's so amazing to work together and we both have different academic backgrounds and different things to offer and we have great rapport because we're twins. So yeah, that's um, awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, what so is fun. your background? Cause so I first heard you back before I ever had a podcast, I listened to crawl space and missing more Murray and stuff. So I heard you on Tim and Lance's show for the first time. And I was like, I like this girl. <laughs> I just, I liked you right away. And so I'm like, kind of fangirling over you, Chloe, a little bit. <laughs> but like, what is your background, like education and stuff? Sure. And and just so you know, the feeling's mutual. Big fan <laughs> of yours. I was so excited to meet you. I was like, you are so beautiful. Oh my and- God. No, you are. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. But yeah, so the feeling's mutual. So happy thank that we're you. doing this and hopefully yeah, um, we can do more of these. I would Absolutely. love that. I would so love much. that too. Because I thank do all, you. I do all the collabs with like guys and stuff I need yeah. a chick I need a girl to bring be, in like, some of the estrogen in exactly the room, right yes. <laughs> um, yeah so yes would love to do that but yeah my background is in psychology and criminal justice I got my bachelor's degree in psychology worked in psychiatric hospital for a little while and then I kind of went further into the human services field working in social services in a more supervisory role. So I've Mm -hmm. seen things from different standpoints. And then I finished my master's degree in criminal justice pretty recently, actually. And congrats. Thank you. Exciting. Good job. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was a really, really meaningful accomplishment for me. That's awesome. I met Tim and Lance because I was a huge fan of their show, Missing Mm -hmm. Murray. It was who isn't. I I know. (laughs) So many people say this was like my first exposure to true crime media. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like Serial and then Tim and Lance. Like yeah. they were very yeah. early into that yeah. interest being activated in me. But yeah, I was pretty much obsessed with podcasts as soon as yeah. I was exposed and Same. just loved, loved the idea of them. And I could see how they were growing and interest in them was was so intense and yeah they had this call to action one day um saying you know members of the community if you think you have anything that you could possibly offer Mm. like please reach out to us and I was so into and still am into Maura Murray's disappearance I had like a file on my computer oh my gosh I was like in this armchair (laughs) you know I was like seriously like an amateur sleuth so I was in college at the time but like on the side like when I was home um, I would, you know, just go on my computer and, and try to find out what I could. And, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't necessarily the most advised thing. And it's probably not something I would do anymore, except for if it were related to my podcast. But, you know, I would reach out to people and some people would even talk to me, which was pretty cool wow. about the case. So I said, you know what, I shouldn't keep all this to myself. It was never yeah. my intention, but they seemed so inaccessible to me until right. that moment. Mm-hmm. So I emailed them and I was like, they're never going to answer. And they didn't answer for a while, but then eventually they did and asked to meet up with me, um, wanted to talk about uh, the case more after we had some back and forth. And it was like fateful because were you, were you when I was like fangirling, were you like, oh my I, God, you, you can't even imagine. Like I, when I first emailed them, I was living in DC. Yeah. Then I moved up to Western Massachusetts to um, attend grad school mm-hmm. and 
they are local to Massachusetts too. Yeah. So when they finally responded to me, I'd already lived up there. So oh my like, gosh. Perfect. So perfect. I can actually yeah. meet them when I, when I wouldn't have been able to do so before. Yeah. And I was working at the psychiatric hospital and this is like my favorite, this uh, coworker of mine asked, Hey, could you cover the shift for me on this day? And that was the day that I was scheduled to meet Tim and Lance for the first time at a Starbucks. Yeah. Um, And I was like, I would love to, but all of my dreams are about to come true. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah. You remember that moment and the the rest of history. Can't argue with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So you guys met. You went on their show and kind of like after that, you started True Crime Twins with your sister then? Is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The rest was history. I, yeah. for a while, was on Crawl Space with them pretty yeah. regularly, yep. mostly in regards to the disappearance of Brianna Maitland, the 17-year-old who went missing after clocking out of her shift in Montgomery, Vermont. Her car yeah. was found abandoned, backed into in abandoned farmhouse just a mile and a half down the road that case is so intertwined oh, yeah. with Maura Murray's case yep. so I was very interested so when I had that opportunity to do that with them of course I jumped right in and then over time they pitched true crime twins to me and Melina because at that point they had gotten to know my sister too we're yeah. so close so I would bring yeah. her along oh yeah like, and she was super everything. into true crime stuff too a lot right along with you always yeah, yeah. Perfect. So we just jumped right in and it's been an amazing experience. It's like my passion. So being able to cover these cases and be a voice, be an advocate, I think the most meaningful memories I have during this journey are making these authentic, meaningful connections with these family members, with secondary victims who want to do anything possible to get the word out and having a channel and a medium to do that is is a true blessing. So yeah, I'm just absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Well, I love your show, and I love I love the way you talk too. <laughs> I just have oh, you. such a cute voice. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah. I love I love your show too. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, but we kind of well, I have a podcast too, but um, we're not talking about that today. We're just like. We're so needing a palate cleanser, kind of, right? I mean, as a true crime podcaster, you eat, sleep, and breathe these depressing, sad stories. You know, it's very, and you take them to heart, you know, it, it, it's like, um, you get, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of commercials for like, um, better help and, and things like that. There's a reason why, why we all like do those commercials because, we need a little therapy after the things we talk about. But one show that we bonded over um, outside of true crime is Love on the Spectrum. Like we both were kind of talking about it on Facebook and we both love that show. I mean, it has made me it's like it's restored my faith in humanity, really, I think. Yeah. I saw your posts about it on social media and I was immediately so excited because I was like, thank goodness I have someone <laughs> to talk about this with because it was as intense of an experience for me as it sounds like it was for you. Yeah. yeah. Watching it literally the entire time I had like my hands clutched over my heart and I was I like, know. oh my I know. gosh, like, I, I feel like it really helped change my perspective on a lot of things and being mm-hmm. able to talk about that with someone who Mm -hmm. had a similar experience with it and 
you know, we're coming from different places, but yeah. we both are moms. And yeah. I think that has, cause I, I really watched the parents a lot on that show too, Same. how they react to things. And yeah. Yeah. It, it was so touching. I think just speaking from my own experience, I've, I've been so jaded regarding Same. the dating world and, you know, talking about love and dating is not something I'm used to doing on a podcast. So mm-hmm. it's like kind of an exciting new like challenge, but taking us out of our comfort zones. We can talk it. about murder and stuff all day long, but get right in here. And it's like, Ugh. not so comfortable. <laughs> I know it's like yeah. all the attention is, is yeah. on a different place, but yeah, I, I really was jaded and I just feel like I learned so much from the stories of, of the different couples and the different dates that I saw and mm-hmm. just what, what is so clear to this cast that should be pretty obvious to everybody. And I think would make everybody's life easier and better and happier and more filled with love. Mm-hmm. But we have all of these, um, these things getting in our way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yes, we do. And they're able to, like I say, they, okay. So the people on this show, they're all like varying degrees of being on the spectrum from Asperger's to autism, you know, some very mild, some little more severe case of that, but, um, or I don't know how you describe it, but, um, yeah. So, the, yeah, they are able to like cut through the bullshit is what I feel like. And that's, Sometimes I just wish I could do that. Um, like uh, when they're on dates, you know, they they don't hide behind this veil of, oh, well, this is how, you know, I'm supposed to be. So I'm going to fake this. I'm going to cover mask my real feelings and whatever. So the honesty is what really strikes me in that show, you know? Agreed. I feel that dishonesty or at least, and, and that can be in the varying degrees. Obviously, you don't want to start a relationship off on being dishonest, but people can be misleading on how they feel because they feel it makes them more attractive. For example, yes, I was always taught ever since I started to become interested in boys, mm-hmm. don't text them first. Let them text you. Yeah, Wait a few days so you don't look desperate. Nothing yep. is less attractive than being desperate. And of course, when you're like you know 12 years old and you have a crush on a guy, and all you want to do is text them. It's like, right. hey, it's like a behavioral training. And I see the reasoning behind it to a point because you don't want to, it, it's not, it's not an attractive quality to be desperate, but no, no, it but, does. It, yeah. But acting that way does require a certain dishonesty or, you know, misleading of your feelings. Totally. And that's become very normative, at least for me. And I feel that people on the other side of it too also feel the need to do that. They mm-hmm. feel the need to be, uh, yeah. Look like they don't care. Exactly. And- well, yeah, it's that classic playing hard to get, you know, and it's, it is a lie. If you, if you come right down to the, I mean, you're lying about your feelings. You don't want to, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like all a game you know, really when you're doing, it's a game and like you're playing, it's like you're playing, certain cards you're moving the pawns in a chess game just the right way it's a subtle subtle little uh game i guess learning is chess yeah yes it is. <laughs> yeah it totally is um and but yeah you don't want to seem desperate you don't want to seem you know like oh i like them so much but i can't let them know because you know 
then I'm less attractive, I guess, or to them. So yeah, it's sad, right. really. Mm. It is. And I, and and I do that. Yeah. I, I do it. I've, I've done it forever, ever since I started having an interest. And yeah. then when I watch the show and I see um, th- this adorable couple who actually didn't end up working out, spoiler alert, but Danny <sighs> and Solomon. Danny and Solomon. Um, oh, yes. yes. That's- Danny, Danny. This amazing, so awesome. yes, electric girl, um, mm-hmm. 26 years old, living in Los Angeles with her aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. She is extremely dedicated to animation. She's extremely ambitious. Like she yes. kept, she kept talking about wanting a partnership with someone that she could eventually start a business with. Like that was very, you know, very imperious yeah. young woman. And Solomon is this soulful poet, very romantic. Yes. And they have this amazingly adorable first date. They're walking each other out. And Solomon goes, I can't wait to tell my mom and dad about this. <laughs> I know. Made it's me giggle. Sweet. because I know. I, if, if I have a really good date, the first person I want to tell is, you know, Melina, my yep. twin. Yeah. Um, but I would never say that because I yeah. it would make me look too eager. But when I was and watching vulnerable. it, very vulnerable. Yeah, it's hard for people to bring themselves down and become vulnerable because, right? I just want to look cool. Yeah, and, and you might get hurt if you're vulnerable too. Right, but that doesn't seem to even be no. a real concern. No, they, they not put at all. Themselves out there without mm-hmm. that. That's what I love. Armor. Yeah, yeah. Even before that moment. Chloe, when they were at the table talking, um, she just blurts out and you can just feel it through the TV screen because she's moving and she's like, I'm in love with you. (laughs) She just said that. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I've had like some first dates that have been good. Not very many, but a couple where I was like, I just felt that inside and I wanted to say that, but never would I have said that, you know, because I was holding back, but I was just wanting to say, oh my God, you're perfect. <laughs> but, but I loved seeing that on the screen, how she was able to just like go with those emotions and just put them out there. Hi everybody. Hi, everybody. This is Bo. And this is Adam. Thank you for listening to our mom's podcast, True Crime IRL. If you're obsessed with murder shows like your mom, you can support the podcast by going to Patreon and becoming a member. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast. It helps your mom pay all the bills and buy us new shoes. Lock your doors, people! Just lock them. Bye-bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All of those butterflies, that enthusiasm, all of the optimism that you have on a first date that we're experiencing internally and we're trying so hard to suppress so that and yeah. filter so it doesn't come out of your mouth. Yeah. They just say it. And I, I think know that was 
a huge reason why it was so heartwarming because mm-hmm. all those feelings that are so like intoxicating, yes. they're able to just express it and be yeah. vulnerable and let us experience it too. And mm-hmm. it was really beautiful. It was so beautiful. I did definitely cry during that scene just because I was like, yes, because they're saying the things and doing the things that we all feel. We just mask them and they either, you know, don't have like kind of don't really have the ability to to mask in that way. They're, you know, they they are not kind of able to do that, I guess, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with social conventions, which people who are neurotypical can better grasp. So a part of, you know, the social skills, the being conventionally socially graceful, a part of that is dating etiquette. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is, you know, playing hard to get, putting on Mm -hmm. a, putting up walls that you don't get hurt. And that I don't think is as easy to understand and to adapt to for people who are on the spectrum. Right. And seeing them in dating situations when I'm, I'm sure because they aren't neurotypical, it might be harder for them to get a date. They might Mm-hmm. be more prone to rejection, especially yeah. from neurotypical people that aren't willing to try to understand them or just get out of their own comfort zone and think a little bit differently to see mm-hmm. how much they appreciate the experience and how vulnerable they are. But I never watched them and thought, oh, they're so desperate. No, they're God, so, no, no. They're so eager, which is what we're so afraid of coming off as. Right. I never felt that about them. I thought that, that they were so brave and courageous and able to forage authentic connections better than me mm-hmm. or other, right. you know, other Same. people who may be more neurotypical. Yes. And then Danny, right, Danny. Okay. So, and you're, that's exactly right. Because um, what, another thing I loved was, the way Danny's brain works, you know, yes, she had these sudden feelings for Solomon and everything, but after she stepped away from the situation a little bit, she was able to like kind of make a pro and con list in a way like, well, he checks this box, but not this. And like, she was, she knew what she wanted. She was not willing to settle. And she matter of factly was like, well, you know what? He's, great. And I feel this way, but he's not actually the person that I want to be with. He doesn't have all the qualities and I don't want to settle for less than the perfect person for me. And she made that tough decision, spoiler alert. Yeah. To call him and say, you know, maybe we'll just be friends. I was so proud of her because I've settled so many times and been like, well, he's great in this way, but he doesn't check this box, but you know, you know, and, and I was just so proud of her as a, just as a woman. And sh- she was so like strong and she's like, going to move on. <laughs> There's an incredible maturity to that, especially mm-hmm. because she's still in her mid twenties. Yes. Once you are overcome with those romantic feelings, which she expressed on the first date, like we discussed, yeah. you know, you're so hot. Like I, yes. I'm in love with you. Yeah. She obviously had those feelings and they had that chemistry and once that emerges, it's all that's pretty are hard. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hard to take a step back and say, well, this is what I originally wanted. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of person, this is the kind of aspirations they would have. 
that foundational stuff, it's hard to think and look at that clearly and without bias. Once you have that chemistry, totally. She did it. No problem. She did. She did. And I mean, like she did, she was a little conflicted and, you know, she got a little emotional, but it was the right decision for her and she did it. And she really inspired me. And so, yeah. My heart broke for Solomon. I know mine too. Cause he was like, but you know, why? And I don't know. He was kind of sad. So that was sad. Um, It seemed heartbroken, which is, you know, that's, that's a part of life. We we all have have had our heart broken, but it doesn't make it any easier to watch that happen to a a very nice person. No, I know. And so the parents in the show are very involved in the show, which I love. And I, you know, it's hard for them. I can imagine too. Their their kids, most of them, you know, they say, "No, I've never been on a date," or a lot of them have never been on a date, but they have this yearning for love. And the parents want that. You know, a lot of the parents were probably thinking, "You know, I don't know if that's ever going to be in the cards for my child." You you never know. I I know. Um, I'm sure a lot of them felt that way. So my son is on the spectrum, very, very mildly on the spectrum. You know, he's just got some quirks that make him unique and make him stand out and stuff. But when he was younger um, and even today, sometimes, you know, I'm like, you know, I wonder what kind of partner he will find or if if the girl or boy, what a girl or boy, man or woman that he ends up with. (laughs) Um, if they're going to be, you know, accepting of his quirks and how it's just how dating will be for him, or if he'll date, I just, I don't know these things, but so watching that journey of the parents, oh, I could, I could relate a lot to that. And I could relate to these young people too, um, going on their first date. Um, like I, I just imagine Adam, my son, he's only 10 right now, but one day, you know, you know, he wants love. He always says he wants to get married and have 10 kids. So I think, you know, it's going to be interesting how things unfold, but I really liked watching the dynamic between the parents and the kids. How old is your son? He's 10. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so my daughter's two and I haven't gone to that place yet in my mind, like even imagining her dating just because it's so far away. Yeah, Your son could be starting to show interest in dating soon at 10, (laughs) which which is crazy. And I don't want to, I I really don't want to bum you out, but it makes sense sense that you are thinking about what it might be like, especially because he's in a place where he's talking about wanting to get married and have kids Mm -hmm. someday. Yeah. I personally haven't gone there yet just because she's still a toddler and she's so young. Oh yeah. But no, like my, my own mom, for example, and we're both we're both neurotypical, but even, even with that dynamic, you know, I'm in, I'm in my late twenties and I, (laughs) I mentioned to her like just probably like a week or so ago that I was talking to a nice guy. And honestly, on a separate note, me putting myself out there to talk to a nice guy has pretty much like everything to do with me watching this show. Like, Oh my gosh, really? I'm, I was so closed off. I was like, I'm not even interested. And I was watching the show and I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll put myself out there again. That's amazing. I know. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad. So you are like, yeah, I was telling my mom about, about him and the excitement that she had was so, in my in my opinion, like an overreaction for, you know, I I just started talking to this person. She's like, 
Oh, oh is, is he falling for you? Like you're falling for him. I'm like, chill. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Like, whoa, nobody's like, falling for anyone yet. Yeah. We're yes. Just it's like, it's like too intense. Like these expectations are too much. <laughs> um, but it, it just, it, it reminded me a little bit of the parents on the show. And it's not that that's not all they care about. It's not their primary focus, but they want to see their kids be happy and find yes. love and to and to have that experience. And like I said, I personally haven't gotten to that place yet with my daughter because of her age, but yeah. um, I, I'm sure I will. And I loved watching the parents. Um, for example, mm-hmm. Abby, the um, yeah. young woman who also lives in Los Angeles and <laughs> is really into Disney and animals. She was so fun. I just their dates were just adorable. Yeah. They had so much fun. They both knew so clearly what was important to them. And when they had animals in common and talking about wanting to go on an African safari and going to zoos on their dates, that's what clicked for them. I think Mm -hmm. almost immediately was we have this shared passion and, you know, this was back in college, but I had my, you know, my first serious boyfriend. Yeah. And I was telling an old friend of mine about him and she kind of just was listening and she goes, so what do you two have in common? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh. I was thinking and I literally couldn't think of anything, but like sex. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There's you know that. what I mean? But yeah. that's, that's obviously not even close to being everything. And I feel but that it is important. It's so important <laughs> to have things in common. Yes. And that seems very obvious to some of these yeah. cast members on the show they can see things a little bit more clearly in some ways. And Abby, and what was her boyfriend, David, I think? Uh, that's not, I, I can't remember, honestly, but yeah. I think it's David. Okay. Um, their, their passion for the animal kingdom just linked them. And when she called him to see if he wanted to go on a second date, you know, neurotypical no-no as I'm yep. taught don't, yep. don't ever right. contact don't ever contact him first or she say oh I had so much fun or oh I really want to do this again don't put yourself out there yeah Mm-mm. yeah wait for them to come to you <laughs> right because you look more appealing if, yep. if you look disinterested yes so she calls him and her mom is in the room watching you know with excitement like it's yeah. like her best friend or something yep, and they're both yep. teenagers. It was I so sweet. It. it was. And he agreed to the date and he already had a whole plan. Do you want to come to this animal place on Friday? And the mother was like, yes. <laughs> and said to the camera person, I'm calling the wedding planner. I'm so excited. Like, <laughs> I know. Yes. I remember that. Yes. That was so sweet. So, so sweet. It was. I mean, yeah. We all just want what's best for our children and we want them to be yeah. happy yeah. and whether that's alone or partnered up or you don't you know, need to be, you don't yeah, need to know, but if it's what they want, yeah. then that's really exciting. And for the longest time, like I felt like that really wasn't what I wanted, Yeah, but it was just funny because like my mom's reaction really reminded me of Abby's mom, just with that, like pure excitement, just wanting them yeah. to have that. So yeah, um, well, because yeah. love feels good. We all know if we're lucky, you know, we know what it feels like. It feels good. You want that for everyone you care about. You want, you know, you want them to be happy. So parents were adorable. Yeah. Another standout of that show to me was the behavioral therapist who kind of trained them on how to have good social etiquette. Yeah. Really cool. Mm -hmm. She was incredible and on the spectrum herself. So she could really empathize and understand what their struggle was. That shocked me. I mean, 
it just shocked me when she came and said, you know, I'm, I'm autistic. I'm on the autism spectrum. I, I, I just, I could, I was like, wow, I never would have guessed that, you know? Yeah. It looks different on everybody. It does. It does. It's so hard to watch at some points when they talk about how that label has deterred Mm -hmm. them from, Mm -hmm. from meeting people. There was a really cute young lady, Kaylin, who Mm -hmm. also worked in the field of helping other people with autism. She helped train service dogs. Yes. Super sweet, super funny and relatable, honestly, when she was talking Mm -hmm. about swiping on dating apps and she goes, oh, dead animal. Yeah. Nope. I know. I know. She was like, I don't want any hunters, nobody posing with their deer or whatever. Yeah. She knew what she wanted. Um, she did. Yeah. Every day. She, every she was hilarious. She, goes, she was. I loved every, her and her friend. Like I was like, oh, everyone should have a best friend like that. <laughs> they were so sweet in yeah. how she said, well, I hope she finds love because I know that's what she wants. But if not, yeah. I'll keep her. It was really sweet. Oh, yeah. And yeah, she was so clear about what she wanted. And like even on her speed dates was like, mm-hmm. do you hunt? Do you fish? Like that was that, that was, was her. Yeah, that was her line. Yeah. But she had shared a really sad story about going on a date with a firefighter and he mm-hmm. was kind of pressing her about why she had a service dog and she mm-hmm. doesn't present as obviously as other people right. on the spectrum might. Right. Um, she definitely can pass, I would say, pretty easily as neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And she said that when she fessed up to having autism, which is something she doesn't like to yeah. immediately discuss because of the stigma he got up and left and i mean what an awful person who who would do that like literally the worst human i mean at least you know have the courtesy of just having a nice dinner together or something as two people who obviously had some things in common if they decided to meet in the first place you know but that label turned him off like oh that made me so mad and sad for her, but I'm glad that they didn't get, you know, into like three dates or something. And then she learned what an asshole he was. Right. It's a blessing because her time wasn't wasted or at least right. as wasted as it would have been. And her emotions weren't super invested. It wasn't like a crushing heartbreak, you know. Right. But that's still, I'm sure it was oh, traumatizing for totally, her. Totally. Totally. Forget no. someone just walking out. There's... I understand, you know, if that's not what he wanted, if he couldn't, mm-hmm. if he couldn't handle that yeah. in his mind, even if he didn't even notice it in the first place, if he couldn't yeah. handle it, that's his problem and she's better off, but there's no totally. reason to be unkind. No, Standing God, in- no, no. Horrible. And like, like he liked her enough to be like, this girl's really cool. We should meet in person. And yeah, I don't know. Bad, but she was hilarious you know, um, but you said something. Yeah. I'm glad though. You you're like, it presents differently for everyone. I, I'm so glad that there, this show exists because it's changing people's perception of autism and all of, you know, what's neurotypical, what's, what's different or, you know, whatever, like it's changing people's perception. Like, um, I identify hard with a lot of the behaviors and thoughts and feelings that people on the show had. And I'm, I guess, neurotypical, but it had me like, well, maybe I'm on the spectrum. Like, you know, yeah. I think it, I think everyone's on a spectrum. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 
No, I had that same thing. There were certain moments where I was like, huh, this is, this is pretty relatable. So it's yeah. like, I, I, I haven't been told otherwise. So I'm assuming right, right. <laughs> that I am, but you know, but I love, it is a spectrum. It's not a black or white thing. And it kind of just is like, it boils down to like, everybody's just human. We, everybody's different and, but, but the same at the same time. So I don't know. It just like, put things on a more even playing field and took away a lot of the stigma. I think that sh- that's what that show does. I think I, I just loved it. <laughs> I feel the same way. Just showing that spectrum because yeah. there, there were, there were people that were probably further on the spectrum than others. And just seeing they're, they're just like neurotypical people in that it doesn't define them. It's right. They yes. have different qualities and dreams and personalities that completely set them apart from each other that have nothing to do with being on the autism spectrum. They're just people. They're just a little bit atypical when it comes to their processing and communication. Yeah. And I am too. So I'm like, I feel I could relate to a lot of, a lot of those, a lot of them. Um, You know what I loved when Subod, that super sweet man um, he was from an Indian family. Yes. Okay. Yep. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he was, was so sweet. Yes. So sweet and earnest. Another Californian loves to cook. Amazing at math. He hadn't been on a date. I think what he had said was in like 32 years and he was yeah. 32 years old and he was just so excited, so ready. And he found love. And there is this scene where he's on a date and they're flying a kite on the beach and his girlfriend or his later girlfriend, they were still dating at this point. Mm -hmm. She had told him how much she loved Mary Poppins and Mm -hmm. the whole uh, soundtrack of Mary Poppins. And they started singing, let's go fly a kite. And then they, whoever was in the editing board is a genius because (laughs) then the music swells and they were like joined by an orchestra. I literally start crying. I know there's so many, it's just one of many beautiful moments that same brought me to tears. So many heartwarming moments throughout this show. Every episode, there's like more than one in every episode. Uh, so if you binge it, you'll have to have Kleenexes nearby. But it was it, it was really beautiful. Another thing about Sabode that uh, made me giggle a little bit on um, one of the dates <clears throat> it was really cute. Uh, she uh, she was talking about television or something shows that she watches, and he had said before that he wasn't into shows like that. And I like it. He was just like you could see him getting a little anxious, so he just said can we please not talk about this <laughs> or something just very direct. And she was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I just thought that was cute. You know, the directness I so often want to say those exact words. Can we just not talk about this and like move on to something else? But my social, you know, cues or whatever teach me that no, you can't do that. You got to just nod your head and smile. So I like that realness, you know? Yeah, and I think I might have seen that in Abby too, or one of the other cast members who said something very similar that as soon as I couldn't relate to the subject being discussed anymore, can we change the topic? Very abrupt and yes, that that would be considered rude by, you know, typical conventional social standards, but but we're all thinking it. We just it's like watching it's like watching my internal dialogue exactly filtered. Yes, yes. 
Totally. Yes. So yeah, this has been a great palate cleanser for us, this show. So if you guys, and you do obviously listen to true crime, because you're watching us right now. Um, if you love true crime, you know, but you need a change of pace, you need something that's going to like warm your heart, restore your, your faith in humanity and love again, make you want to go try again, go on that date. <laughs> love on the spectrum is definitely something to check out. Don't you think Chloe? <laughs> oh my goodness. It was transformative for me. It melted the ice around my heart. Like it was same, such a beautiful thing my to watch. Cold, like, dead heart. <laughs> literally, literally how sad that I, that, you know, this dating game had been so hurtful and discouraging, well, yeah. but yeah. it really just restored my faith that there are earnest people. And if we just say what's on our minds and in our hearts, then we'll be able to connect with people better. And totally. there, there could be something out there. So I couldn't recommend it enough to our listeners, especially if you're like us and mostly are reading stories when it comes to romance about people getting murdered. Exactly. <laughs> every, every romance has a little, you know, blood mixed in there too. So it can be a downer, but yeah. And it, it, kind of inspired me to just be like, I'm just going to be more myself and who I am would be like someone who would be like, you're really hot. I like you a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just going to just go with it. If people don't like me, yeah, maybe I'm not for everyone. So right. it, it was inspiring. We shouldn't have to dull ourselves or change ourselves to fit a certain mold that we think will be more likable to somebody else what we should want is what this cast wanted, which was someone to love you for you. And if they don't like it, then good, because it wasn't supposed to work. You should be with someone that sees you for who you are, that you can be totally forthcoming and honest with and have them accept and love you. And yeah. they didn't have that, I guess, hindrance of feeling the need to filter and yeah. shrink everything to make it more digestible for somebody else. It was really yeah. beautiful to watch. It was. So check out Love on the Spectrum. I like the UK version and the US version or Australian and, and US. They're both great. Um, and listen to True Crime Twins with Chloe and Melina and True Crime IRL with Kelly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thanks for listening and thanks for chatting with me, Chloe. It's been fun getting to know you better. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I had so much fun. It doesn't feel like work at all. Just <laughs> chatting with you and I hope we can yeah. do this again. Yeah, let's do it again. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this little bonus episode I did with Chloe Cantor from the True Crime Twins podcast. She's a delight, just like a refreshing bowl of sorbet. As a palate cleanser in between meals, this was our palate cleanser from the true crime genre. We just had fun together talking about one of our favorite shows, had some good laughs, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I will be back to talking about true crime soon. And until then, lock your doors, people. Bye-bye. True Crime IRL is written, produced, and hosted by Kelly Barron's Brink. 
please subscribe to True Crime IRL wherever you get your podcast and consider leaving a five-star review. Go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Support the show by becoming a Patreon donor. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also support the show by leaving a tip in the TCIRL tip jar. Go to truecrimeirl.com and click on the donate button or buy merch in the TCIRL merch shop truecrimeirl.com slash merch. Watch True Crime IRL on YouTube at youtube.com slash kellybrinktv. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at truecrimeirl, all one word. True Crime IRL theme music is produced by the captain at True Crime Garage. 